This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. Jesus once told his disciples he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Likewise, as his followers, we are called to lay aside our pride and live a life of humility. Let's learn more about this as we discover God's vision for our life. What do you want to have said about you at your funeral? We're going to talk about that today. I hope you'll stay with us. We begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we humbly approach your holy word this day, eager to hear what you have to pour into our lives. We are grateful for these sacred writings and the blessings they bring us when we open them up. So today, Lord, our prayer is, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our reading for today is from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. Paul writes, Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Dear friends, recently I heard a speaker ask this question, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Two things came to mind when I thought about that question. First, an amusing story about a funeral that uh, I had read about. The wife and two sons uh, were seated in the front pew of the husband's funeral, and the songs had been sung, and the preacher began to talk about the departed brother. He was a man's man. Amen, said the congregation. He was a man who worked hard, and a few said amen. He was a man the bottle could not control. Amen, said one or two mourners. He was a man who loved his home and his wife and children. Amen. He was a man who paid his debts, and a man who told the truth, and there were no amens. And The poor wife couldn't stand it any longer, so she told one of her sons, Joe, go up and look in the casket and see if that's really your daddy he's talking about. (laughs) The, The other thing was a question that came to mind when I heard the question. And the question is this, is that really the right question to be asking? I propose to you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that the most important question is not what I want people to say, but what God wants people to be able to say about me. You see, God has a plan for folks like you and me when we place our trust in Christ. He's in the shaping business, this God of ours, and where his projects, his masterpieces, when Christ steps into our lives. Romans 8 tells us that 
for those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. Paul is saying there that God wants to shape me and conform me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Kind of like a sculptor chipping away at those things that in order that I might be his masterpiece. I'm reminded of a story of Michelangelo pu- pushing a big granite rock up a hill, and someone said, Michelangelo, what are you doing? What, what's, what's going on here? And he said, well, he said, I'm pushing this up to my home, and I'm going to chip away at it, and I'm going to free the angel that is within it. It's kind of like that for us. We're God's masterpiece, a work in progress. That begs the question, though, what does Jesus look like? And there is a good answer to that question that the Apostle Paul gives us in the book of Philippians. He quotes an ancient Christian hymn. It's actually not original with with Paul. Something that they used in worship. As he says, uh, have the mind of Jesus. He goes on to say, and here's what Jesus is like. Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what does Jesus look like, according to what Paul tells us here? A humble servant. And by the way, the song ends reminding us that this humble servant was exalted by God. Now, where in the world does Paul get this idea, or whoever wrote that song? Perhaps from Mark chapters 9 and 10, where Jesus is speaking with his disciples on the question of greatness, how to be a great person in the kingdom of God. His disciples were arguing, who's the greatest, when Jesus came upon them in this conversation. And he he said to them, whoever's great in my kingdom is one who is willing to be last of all and servant of all. Not long after that, James and John, two of his disciples, came and said, Lord, we want to be your vice presidents when you come into power. We want the recognition and the fame and the status. We want that title, Jesus. And Jesus, in correcting them, says, gives them his own mission statement. He says, I came not to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. He came to serve. In another place where he was teaching a group of people that had come to take in his wisdom He said to them, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God's shaping plan, then, is to make us look like humble servants, like the servant King Jesus. First, we look at that word humble. And we see that humility is a big part of God's plan for you and me. God knows that pride is no friend of ours. It messes us up, and it messes up the relationships we have with those around us. Your real friend for real life is humility instead. John Stott, that great Christian writer from the last century, wrote, At every state of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. How could Stott be able to make a statement like that? Because the evidence is all around us in this world. Pride keeps me, first of all, from loving God. 
and having a close, life-giving relationship with us, with him. It's, uh, it's been a human issue from the beginning of time as we read the story in Genesis of Adam and Eve, hearing that promise, if you eat from this tree, the serpent said, you will be like God, and their pride got the best of them, and they ate. And since that time, it's been a dominant impulse and instinct in every one of us. We've inherited it. And so I insult God when I attempt to take control and live life my way instead of his way, insisting that I've got better answers for living than you, God, or I don't need God. That that's a crutch for weak people. And maybe it's okay to have some God in your life, but I don't want him running my life. Pride keeps God out as I turn my back and try to take control. And it's deadly stuff. In Scripture, it's the top of the seven deadly sins lists. From it, all other sins come. And God, we read, detests human pride. And why? Because pride is all about self-glorification instead of God-glorification. You and I were created to enjoy and glorify God forever. And it gets in the way, this pride. Our egos turned in on ourselves. You've heard the acronym for ego, edging God out. That's what we do. We edge God out, God out of the picture with our pride. It separates and keeps us from a close relationship that he created us to have with him. It's what put Jesus on the cross. Human pride. Not the pride of the Pharisees like we like to believe, but my pride, your pride, put Jesus on that cross. He paid our debt for our pride in order that you and I could be restored to God. And as I lay down my pride and put my trust in Jesus Christ, he promises me eternal life and restoration of that relationship. As Jesus' followers, you see, he longs for us then to spend the rest of our lives learning to live totally dependent on God, totally trusting him, totally praising him, always giving him the glory in everything we do and everything we might accomplish. Pride not only keeps me from loving God, pride keeps me from loving other people. Because a person that's filled with self-interest and self-promotion and self-indulgence and self-sufficiency and self-ambition for the purpose of self-glorification cannot truly love, he or she is more often more able to use people instead of loving them. Pride leaves people wounded in its path as they get used for personal glorification and goal accomplishments. Left unharnessed, harnessed, uh, pride has the power to ruin relationships in your family and in your church. It can make your athletic team ineffective and your work team totally unproductive. It causes division. Pride keeps us from being at peace with others because when I refuse to swallow my pride and say I'm sorry to someone I wronged and admit that I was wrong, which is so hard for many of us to do, 
It does nothing but put up a wall between me and that individual. Or sometimes we have too much pride to accept an apology, an olive branch of peace, and say, I forgive you. Left unharnessed, it can distort your personality. Did you know that? Have you ever been around someone who's always talking about himself or herself, just can't get enough of it? Or they're terrible at listening to others, and they're always stealing the conversation back to themselves. Sometimes uh, people are willing to even lie to look good in front of others. Stretch those uh, statistics a little bit to look a little bit better. Or they'll do anything to get attention, to feel important, to... You become a critic of others sometimes in order to make yourself feel better about yourself. It elevates you. It causes you sometimes to spend more money than you actually have to keep up appearances. And it causes the prideful person to fall. You've heard the proverb, pride comes before the fall. It can bring you down real hard. It's brought down a lot of leaders. We think uh, in the Old Testament of King David who had the affair with Bathsheba. Why did it happen? It was all based upon pride. David had gotten too big for his britches. He should have been out with his army leading them in battle. Instead, he chose to stay back. Jesus himself said when he saw people jockeying for the seats of honor at a banquet he attended, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I'm reminded of a little story about a college football coach from years ago. He had a team that was having a great season. He was out outside mowing his lawn one afternoon when he heard his wife yelling for him. He turned off the mower. He said, honey, come on in. It's Sports Illustrated on the phone for you. His pride immediately kicked in. Well, it's about time I'm getting some recognition. So he ran into the house and he picked up the phone. He said, hello. Sir, this is Sports Illustrated. We'd like to offer you a chance to get a three-year subscription for the price of one. That coach took a fall that day and got humbled, didn't he? (laughs) I, I don't know about you, but I choose to do things according to God's plans. To pursue humility. Humility is the friend. That God wants to place in your life. And what does humility look like? It looks like Jesus. Humility is a healthy self-forgetfulness. Humility listens instead of always talking, stealing conversations. Humility is a willingness to stay in the background and not need attention and applause. Humility is giving God glory in everything, pointing to Him. To rejoice with others' successes and applaud them instead of attempting to one-up them all the time. Spiritually, humility is a realistic self-assessment that I am a sinner saved by God's grace in Jesus Christ, and I'm no better than anyone else. By the grace of God, go I. Humility isn't seeking applause and adulation of others. It plays for an audience of one, our Heavenly Father, just like Jesus did. And he was a servant, a humble servant. What does it mean to be a servant? It's a willingness to pour out your life into other people. 
I think of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples uh, the night before he was crucified on the cross for our sins and how he explained his actions. He said, you call me Lord and Master, and I am. If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, I've given you an example. You should wash each other's feet. Be willing to be a servant. That's what servant work. Even when there's no gratitude expressed, or the person is undeserving, or the feet smell, wash feet. Our attitude as servants is always asking, what can I do for you? So that's what God's vision for you and for me is, if you're in Jesus Christ, to be a humble servant. Now, when I think about that calling, I think of a bumper sticker. Ever seen that bumper sticker, be patient, God isn't finished with me yet? When I do an honest inventory of my attitudes when it comes to humility and servanthood, I find I've got a long way to go. I admit it. Just recently, I was at a graduation party talking with another couple about uh, some folks that had left our church to join a big church down the road, and I found myself getting more and more irritated and angry about it. And when I began to think, assess that a little bit, it was my ego. It was my pride. That preacher must be better than me. I felt hurt by it. I'm a mess, but I'm a saved mess. God's holy mess in Christ. So maybe that's you too. Uh, Don't despair. First, let me point you to the cross, to him who died on that cross to forgive you and me for our silly, selfish pride. He humbled himself and did that for you and me. And as you lay down your pride and come empty-handed to receive his forgiveness, he will not turn you away. He will give you a fresh new start each time. He never, ever gets tired of extending his forgiveness. And remember, it's not possible to change ourselves. But we have this power within, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a lifelong process. In Scripture, it says, All of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. There you have it. The Spirit does it. And that Holy Spirit, he comes and he uses various means to keep us moving towards that direction. As we daily contemplate the cross, Jesus hanging on that cross, saying to us, basically, this was for you. I'm here because of you. Or daily declaring dependence each morning to God and saying, I I can't make it through the day without you, Lord. Or giving gratitude, praise for all that God is doing in your life on a daily basis. Humility uh, or pride has a hard time growing in that kind of soil. Or, or applauding, looking for the work of God in other people and building them up with your words. Or serving them, especially doing it in secret. Try that sometime. It's a key tool of the Spirit. Serve somebody and don't let them know it was you. So there you have it. What does God want people to be able to say about us when it's all said and done? May it be said of us, there lies a humble servant of God. God be with you. Amen.
Now, as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to the ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message will help you willingly pour your life into others out of love for your Savior and you will be remembered as a humble servant of your Lord and Savior. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit, listener-supported ministry. If this ministry helps serve your spiritual needs, we pray you will consider making a contribution to help pay for air time. Financial gifts enable us to buy time on the Internet and radio stations across the world. So all may have the opportunity to hear the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. Send your donation to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Christian Crusaders publishes a quarterly newsletter called The Crusader. This publication contains a special article written by our speaker, Rev. Kramer, as well as other interesting information concerning Christian Crusaders. To receive this special mailing, simply call us at 1-888-MY-FAITH or 1-888-693-2484. Audio and printed copies of today's message, as well as many recent messages, are available on our website. You can also find a link to make an online donation to this ministry. All gifts are secure and considered tax-deductible. Visit us today at christiancrusaders.org. We are happy you were able to worship with us this day, and we pray you will join us again next Sunday on this station. Conducting our service was the Rev. Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota, and speaker on Christian Crusaders, now in its 81st year of regular Sunday worship broadcasting.